1: To Wrestling Omakase, it is episode number one seventy-seven, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello,
2: Gerard. Hey, John. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. What you been up to?
2: Uh, well, I I'm guess sure nothing. I... Probably well, nothing. But I had a rather bizarre week because I had two <laughs> WWE matches that could make my top ten at the end of the year.
1: Okay. Well, what's I, I I'm sure one of them is Walter and Aleya, which I haven't watched. What the hell's the other one?
2: Oh, Bailey and Sasha. Oh, ah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen either one of them yet. So, there's something about like hyped WWE matches that make my brain go, "Don't watch
2: it." <laughs> like, I just don't. Well, I didn't go uh, as high on Walter and Dragon as some people did, but I think it's got to be in discussion for like at least like somewhere in the top ten, possibly. But we'll see when I compile my list at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's nothing else going
2: on, I guess, huh? No, uh, things here in Toronto sort of took a turn for uh, more infections. So we had like restaurants are now just takeout only again. The gym's mm. closed. And so we're just waiting on that. Uh, they sort of want to open them up next weekend. But uh, the actual, like the government, the Ontario government does. But the health officials are like, uh, this is too soon. Yeah, uh, New York is still
1: hanging in there. I have no idea how, because every, every other fucking state surrounding us has been awful i mean new jersey is like really climbing uh you know pennsylvania connecticut but i don't i don't i don't know what the hell new york is doing but like we're the only state that things are not things are still not that bad here
2: but we're, we're getting more cases than we were like during the original lockdown in like march april
1: yeah we're not i mean we're the original lockdown we were like obviously <laughs> the worst yeah. place in the world i mean but still like the last time i checked the positivity rate was still like under two percent here so i don't know I don't know what we're doing right with every other... Because every other surrounding
2: state looks much worse right now.
1: But I'm sure people don't want to hear that stuff, so... No, not (laughs) at this point. It's
2: it's sort of weird. Like, there's a certain, like, level of... Like, I've been very careful, but I just feel like the way that people talk about life in general now has a certain sense of, like, pandemic complaint. Almost become the new normal, unfortunately. Oh, sorry, you got
1: got cut off there. You said
2: pandemic. Uh, Like... It's the way that people just sort of talk about like life, like oh, how are you doing? It's sort of this weird like. There's a certain acceptance of the new normal that this is how it caused. Yeah. Then it was the way that people were talking in like April, May.
1: Well, I mean, it's like there's no end in sight. So at this point, what are supposed to what are people supposed to do? You know.
2: Yeah. Exactly. It's like you know.
1: I mean, maybe hopefully, it'll be over by the end of twenty twenty one. Ha ha. Who the fuck knows at this point? Yeah. Uh, but yes, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say uh, you did step on my joke there because I was about to say nobody wants to hear about this topic. What they want to hear about is the United States election, which of course <laughs> is on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any election hot takes. I think Trump's gonna lose. I hope to God Trump loses, but I don't really. I don't really have any hot takes.
2: I don't like early voting is something that. Well, I say this as a Canadian, but the 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 sort of trends of early voting in the U S is sort of like the Americans are not except for like States like Washington state. They're not like early voters, male voters, generally like mail and Well, Some states so, are like Colorado some, some states are. Yeah. yeah. But on the whole, I don't know how that's going to sort of like, yeah. Turn into like what that, the turnout means because like I'm seeing these like Texas, um, uh, counties that are already doing more turnout than they had in 2016, just on early voting. Yeah. It's crazy. So, what that means in the Texas context I don't know.
1: I mean I voted uh this past Wednesday I did the early like the early in person voting cuz uh, you know I'm lucky to live like 10 minutes uh, my normal polling place is like a minute away <laughs> honestly like I could it's like the school that I could walk to in a minute but I'm I was just figure like you know they might be I don't know I just kind of figured there might be a lot of crowds so I just walked the 10 minutes to the early voting place in this church which apparently was really really long lines when the early voting first started but by the time i did this past wednesday like i walked right in like there was nobody there so that was nice but uh yeah i don't know i don't know folks i don't know what's gonna happen hopefully hopefully we know who wins by the end of the week and hopefully it's not donald trump i don't really have any any other big hot takes but i just i'm ready for this to be fucking over that that is for sure like i never want to hear about another election after this fucking thing is over cuz it's like people are like oh we got to start 2024 watch i'm just like fuck off how about that just fuck off forever but... well i
2: mean even if biden wins given how trends are you got to worry about 2022 to make sure the democrats don't lose any- the house
1: yeah they probably will whatever look like that when you when I, my when your default position is like this entire country is like completely doomed and un uh salvageable i mean I don't. I never. I'm never optimistic. I just kind of hope that we get this fucking dipshit out of the White House. But anyway, I'm, that's also not why people are here. But please, if you're if you're in America uh, and you haven't voted yet, please go vote and please vote for Joe Biden. I know he's not great, but you know whatever. If if by chance I have somebody listening who needs to be reminded to go vote, because I, I doubt I have that many Trump supporters listening. If I if I do. Uh, look, I'm making a middle finger to the microphone. But no, I mean, like, uh, fuck you if you're a Trump supporter. But if you're a Biden supporter, please get out there and vote. If you're a Trump supporter, uh, please don't. Please just stay home and fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> back to what we're here to talk about today, which is WCW Halloween Havoc. So I should introduce, I guess, the the new concept here. Um, basically, I... I've I've enjoyed the five matches episodes a lot. What I've noticed is we get a lot of um, I don't know, like a lot of really 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 great matches, right? Yeah, uh, because people generally pick really great matches for this. I've tried to pick some shitty ones to mix it up. Like I picked uh, on the, the the Patreon with Nate from Everything Elite. I picked the WCW Junker Battle Royal from <laughs> Match at the Beach, which was uh if anything even more horrendous than i remembered it being and then with uh with mike spears this past week also from everything elite and uh open the voice gate also on the patreon uh i picked the 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 main event the very first tournament x show which again was quite a bit worse than i remembered it being uh i just saw that like on the list of matches that was on dg net and i was like well we have to watch this i mean but uh yeah it was a that, that mike spears episode by the way is a lot of fun if you uh if you're not a patron uh, we're recording this on October thirty first, so if you happen to, if it happens to get up today and you happen to listen to it, wait a day, because otherwise you'll get charged twice and I'm not trying to rip you off. But yeah, November first, uh obviously the best time to join. Uh, you know, anytime early November. You got the whole month's worth of stuff. Uh, and you can hear that episode I did with Mike Spears last week, which got rave reviews from a few people who listened to it. So it was a lot of fun for that five matches episode. We went two hours and we rambled a whole lot about like uh, you know, New Jersey, shitty New Jersey indies and, uh you know, all this other shit. I don't even remember what, half the shit we talked about, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely go check that one out. Uh, I might as well make this a Patreon plug in general, I guess. Uh, it's patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Um, you get all the content that's already up there. So if you want to go back and listen to all of our G1 coverage, Champion Carnival, uh Noah N1 Victory, we do tons of one-match episodes right now I'm going through. Uh, Matches submitted by Omakase patrons You you submitted one too, uh, Gerard And, you know, like the the patron picks have been awesome I mean, pretty much every match that's been submitted so far We've done six out of the nine uh, Have been, you know, just really incredible matches So my patrons have great taste, apparently Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was just some some great uh, That's been a lot of fun We'll probably do another round of those So if you want to suggest me a match to review on the Patreon You can do that um, but yeah, that's what we've been doing lately. We also did all the Okada Tanahashi matches in chronological order. We did all the Naito Ishii matches in chronological order. Those series are up there complete, ready, ready for you to listen to. Those are a lot of fun. And then coming up in November, we're going to be going back into tournament coverage. So we'll be covering every single... I mean, we'll be covering some on the free feed, but every single show that we don't cover on the free feed, will be coming on the, covering on the Patreon. So you get every single new japan best of super junior show every single world tag league show and every single ddt do show so we're going to cover the do so that should be a lot of fun um i think they're announcing the participants at ultimate party uh on november 3rd <laughs> to tie back into there's like two big puro shows on november 3rd it's really funny i know it's like some kind of japanese holiday i forget which one but uh do you know which one off the top of your head jared
2: i'm uh, i'm just gonna take a stab and might be the wrong way is it seniors day
1: let's say no it's culture day there you go culture day a day of culture so yes uh <laughs> culture day is going on in japan at the same time we have our shitty election so that's why there's like a big ddt show dt ultimate party a big dragon gate show uh gate of destiny right osaka yes yeah so, that's, uh, those are both going on that day. But anyway, so, at Ultimate Party, they're going to announce the DO participants, and we'll be covering that on the Patreon. Should be a lot of fun. And again, it's only $5 to get access to all this stuff I'm talking about, plus even more stuff I didn't even mention. So, patreon.com slash wrestling on to get all of that. Now, back to the concept here. I wanted to do retro stuff, um, you know, but like in a different way. So, I can't put this retro roulette gimmick. Now, this is not a new concept. There's plenty of other podcasts that have done, like, random wrestling matches before. It's only a new concept for Omakase, But I figured a great first one to do would be Halloween Havoc, since today is Halloween, first of all. And I just kind of got the urge to watch some old WCW. Now, watching some old WCW really got rid of that urge very quickly. (laughs) Like, by the time I was on the fourth or fifth match, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Why did I do this? Because, like... Not that all these matches were bad. Some of them were pretty good. But, oh, my God, these fucking finishes. I could not believe, like, every single... We wanted, We picked six matches at random, okay? So, first of all, I picked six shows at random. So, six Halloween Havocs. We got 93, 94, uh, 95, 96, 98, 99. So, those were the six shows that were picked at random. And then we I picked one match from each show at random, too. I picked six out of whatever matches. Every single one of them did not have a clean finish. Every single one had some kind of terrible finish, and it was like, did did they just like? I remember Nitro being nothing but terrible finishes, but I guess I honestly forgot like how bad the finishes were on WCW pay per views. I don't know. Did you were you surprised by this, or did you just not have any? You was like, oh yeah,
2: that makes sense. I was more surprised that some of the mid card stuff had the unclean finishes right like it, like perry it, it, saturn can't hogan just hogan match should be different i think like
1: perry saturn it, can't just be eddie guerrero like what the fuck like that was the, the the shit that really surprised me it's like yeah main event fine but perry saturn can't just be eddie guerrero or, or vice versa it's like it's incredible i don't know like that like it makes me want to go through these shows and be like did any of these matches have clean finishes it is like it's incredible but uh we're, we're gonna go through them one at a time here we'll also talk about some of the stuff we. uh we missed along the way that the the random uh the randomizer did not give us which could have been better or worse but uh but yeah that's a general idea. So do you have any like big picture thoughts for you getting to each match? Um
2: I missed those Halloween havoc sets. <laughs> yeah, they like, were uh, they like, the, the sets were awesome. Yeah. Uh you know, but I mean like they like I don't know, like
1: they, at the same time it made me, you know, I get the nostalgia was there cuz it's like at least when i put this on you know it was just a bunch of wrestling matches <laughs> i mean like i feel like you know american wrestling has gotten so fucking far away now from being wrestling right and i'm not trying to sound like old old man yells at cloud but like i don't know it just feels like everything in american wrestling now is like a solilo you know like a fucking uh like a, some kind of play you know with roman and Jey Uso. Or, you know, a literal literal song and dance with Jericho and MJF. And, like,
2: I don't know. It's like. Well, we didn't watch the WCW mini movies.
1: <laughs> oh, I actually did watch one.
2: Oh, did you? Um, but, uh, but yeah, but, so mini
1: movies were there. That was true. That's a good but point.
2: I will say that even the shitty matches still felt like a lot more traditional pro wrestling than some of the stuff you see today. Yeah. So,
1: actually, that's a great transition the mini movie. So, 1993. The non-title spin the wheel, make the deal. Cactus Jack versus Big Van Vader. That's the first one we got. Uh, I did watch the opening of the Halloween. Did you watch the opening of the '93 Halloween Havoc?
2: I didn't know. Okay, but so I have it, seen it before.
1: It starts with the. I had never seen this, so this is amazing. It starts with a bunch of like southern kids arguing. Okay, uh, this is like one of the infamous mini movies, but really one of the lesser known ones. I feel like. So the kids, and, and keep in mind, this is how a wrestling pay per view began. The kids head up to a very spooky-looking house. Uh, One of the kids keeps saying, Let's just go home and watch Halloween Havoc. Which I thought was just kind of funny. No kid was ever saying that in 1993. Uh, A stoned and very young-looking Tony Schiavone answers the door. Not at all who I was expecting to be in this mini-movie. He invites them inside to eat cookies in the creepiest manner possible. Like... I, the 7 gimmick, remember in 99 they, they thought it was like a like a pedophile thing like this was like, yep. oh my god uh, he, he invites them inside you know, like to eat cookies like I said and then, like this thing is just I, you have to see this if you've never seen it before he makes this creepy smile at the camera as he closes the door like the creepiest smile of all time and uh, he starts telling them about spin the wheel, make the deal the kids don't give a shit About this fucking stipulation. And one of the kids like pokes him in the nose repeatedly. And says I don't care about WCW. Uh show me something spooky. Tony says fine. You kids want to be scared. He pulls off his face. To reveal some kind of werewolf monster. And then we just fade. To the wheel. I guess he eats the kids. But there you go. Uh i i don't even know like what why that was made i have no idea what that was supposed to accomplish i have no idea it's never talked about it like they just go tony's just there he's like hi kids i'm here that's right we opened up with me killing these children but i'm here and it's like what <laughs> i don't know i just i i maybe i have seen this i just totally forgot about it but like uh that was something
2: shivani plays a tremendous creep
1: <laughs> he, he really does apparently Um, so this match we got, we got the the main event here, which was the non-title, uh, spin the wheel, make the deal match, which ended up being a Texas death match. Um, I watched them spin the wheel too, which they did not even try to pretend they weren't gimmicking this wheel. I mean, this wheel slowed down, like, to a crawl before it got to Texas death. So, um... As far as other stuff we could have gotten this show, I I really don't remember this show very well, so I don't know what was good or bad, Looking at, just looking at the card. Um, I would have kind of liked to see Dustin Rhodes and Steve Austin, I guess, for the U.S. title. Uh, that could have been cool. Um, you know, Sting versus Sid Vicious only went like 10 minutes. That might have been interesting. Ric Flair against Rick Roo for the international World Heavyweight title. The very different title there. But that one ended in a DQ, so yeah, you I don't know how that would have been. And it went almost 20 minutes, too. Yeah, Dave only gave it three and a quarter. Anything stand out to you on this card that we either were saved from or uh, you know, should have watched? It seems but like it a... was a pretty good show. I mean, it has a 7.121 cage match.
2: To me, it would be the Dustin and Austin match, because I've actually been watching uh, some old Steve Austin stuff. I uh, actually watched the match uh, like two weeks ago, the match where he uh, injured where he injured Chono's neck for the first time. Oh, yeah. Because it's on New Japan World. And it's an awesome match. I mean, it sort of falls apart at the end because Chono's, like, got his bell rung and he just sort of slapped on that STF out of nowhere for the win. But up until that pile Driver, it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I really love Austin during, in his WCW run, so mm. that would have been interesting to say. But, yeah, there's nothing on this card where I'm like, oh, thank God we didn't get that. I mean, the opener sounds pretty bad. Charlie Norris, Ice Train, And the Shockmaster defeating Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. That was probably pretty bad. So I guess we dodged a bullet there, but not a lot otherwise. Uh, Let's see here. So let's get into the actual match, I guess. Um, I I have to say, this is a a pretty famous match. And, you know, it has, has some pretty high ratings in places. I mean, Dave gave it four and three quarters. I was pretty disappointed. I don't know how you felt about it, but, like, it did not hold up for me. Um, you know, it was good, but like, not like, you know, one of the best matches ever or anything like that, because then we'll get into it, I guess, as we go. But like, there's, you know, it is, there's a lot of stuff that is very brutal, but I think, you know, a lot of stuff that's just like, well, you know, it doesn't really hold up in 2020 eyes. And like the finish is just like horrifically bad, which we'll talk about. And that, that, if anything, you know, like one of the worst finishes for a major main event I've seen in a while. And like, it took, I, I took like half a star off. That's how much I hated that finish. But I don't know, do you have any big picture thoughts on the match before we get into the recap?
2: Yeah, it doesn't hold up. Um but it has the brutality. So I can sort of understand if you're looking through nineteen ninety three eyes and you've never seen like Japanese death match or something, that it would have been like, Holy shit, what is this? Um but yeah, and then it just sort of falls apart at the finish. Yeah. But uh, I thought, you know, it was going, it had its moments of greatness, but it just had like, like that part where they sort of like go into the grave and underground Yeah, and they blade. And it's like, this is just a stupid waste of time. You guys are professionals. You could have bladed like by not doing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it they,
1: so I, they explained the very simple uh, Texas death map stipulation in about the dumbest and most confusing way possible. Uh, Gary Mekel Capata was the anna- ring announcer at this point, right? I yes. think. So he says, yes. here's a direct quote. Falls don't count. 30-second rest period between falls. Back to back. Huh? <laughs> so the falls don't count, but there's a 30-second... Re- now, what he's trying to say is the falls don't end the match. But, like, it just doesn't really make any sense. Well, that 30-second rest period
2: is also crappy. And yeah! Mean,
1: right? I think that, that, is, that wasn't, like, how they were all done back in the day, right? I don't remember that. No, I don't
2: remember yeah. that at all. And, like, the
1: 30-second rest period, it's, like, it, it sucks a lot of the drama out of it because it's, like... So, basically... In a normal Texas death match, which I just covered one on the omakatsu Patreon, that was awesome, uh, Irie and uh, Akito from DDT in 2015. A normal Texas death match is just like you pin the guy or submit the guy, and then immediately they start a 10 count. So it's like a last man standing match where you have to pin the guy first, which I think works better than a last man standing match because you don't get like you still get all the normal near falls. ...of a wrestling match... ...without having to get, you know... ...have the guy slowly count to 10... ...every single time he's knocked down. So that... ...that part of it's good. The problem here is... ...the 30 second rest period... ...they put in here... It totally saps the match of the drama because after every, every time someone gets pinned, they don't just start counting; they give them thirty seconds to recover, and then they start counting. And like the, the guys already back up practically. Uh, yeah, most they were
2: on their knees when the ten count started. Like I think in almost every fall. Yeah, it just it, it sapped a lot of the drama out of it. So that
1: was just a, a brain fart that just didn't work at all. And I'm glad that did not become standard for the stipulation. Uh, so Jack he jumps Vader on the ramp and they start brawling immediately Uh, Jack comes back like by biting Vader um, and we get like a steel chair shot directly to the head of Vader that definitely would not fly today Um, and then Vader uses a very stiff offense in the ring which uh, busts Jack open under his eye hard way and then Jack comes back by suplexing Vader from inside the ring onto the elevated ramp and then Jack gives him a Saito suplex out there for good measure, this stuff is good. This stuff is really fun. Um, then we get to the part you talked about, where they get they go up to the graveyard, they fall into Vader's grave. Cactus gets up first and climbs out. Uh, this grave, quote unquote, it's not like those WWE buried alive matches where they like, you know, they have a plot of land and they dug a grave and everything. It's just a big hole in the stage, complete with the steps to get in and out. It looks weird. and does not look anything like a grave. So. You know, that's not a great thing right there, like, aesthetically. Um, And like you said, Cactus climbs out first, heads back to the ring. Vader takes forever and comes up all bloody, like he bladed. Which is, you know, like you said, it's just kind of silly. It's like, these guys can't blade without falling into a fake grave. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Then Jack, Cactus Jack, like, runs over, immediately hits a big clothesline on the ramp, covers him. It looks like a two count. Jesse Ventura on commentary thought it was a two count. But I guess Vader actually kicked out right after three, so that's our first pin of the match, which is not a not a great start for the pins. And then Vader gets a thirty second rest period uh, before the ref starts counting. He gets up immediately because again he had thirty seconds to recover. And then Jack uh, immediately hits him with a fake cactus. That's kind of funny, but yeah, um, they they keep they brawl and brawl here. Jesse gets an all time great burn in here. Do you remember what it was? No. Uh, here's the direct quote. I guess the only positive thing out of it is they were both pretty ugly to begin with, so they're not going to get no uglier.
2: <laughs> I laughed a lot at that. That was a that was a great laugh. I was going to say Jesse and Tony are actually pretty underrated. I think. As yeah, a
1: they were a fun tight. They were a fun uh, commentary team.
2: And then Tony was dressed as Jesse Ventura. Yeah, as his Halloween costume in this. Yeah, star.
1: that was pretty good. When when does Jesse leave? It's like '94, right? Pretty when hard. Hogan comes in. Yeah. Um but yeah so vader there's like a really there's a very silly spot here so they they set this table up in the ring uh vader jack eventually like sends vader like into its stomach first which looks very silly because vader basically goes running toward it and then jumps in midair like here i come table like he's trying to give it a hug or something and it doesn't even break it just looks very goofy the table uh,
2: didn't look like it was gonna break yeah anyway, yeah
1: uh, you know, Jack gets a two count off that, then hits him with the table. Um, Vader does hit Jack with a pretty brutal looking chair shot. He got one of these, like, thick chairs, not like a pro wrestling steel chair. And he looks like he hit him with the legs of the chair, too. Uh, and this is also where we see Harley Race, uh, you know, has a taser, which will unfortunately play into the finish. Uh, Vader, like, very slowly climbs to the top and hits the Vader salt. Looks pretty bad, as his moonsaults always did, but who cares? Because. He's gigantic and did a moonsault. Uh, That lets him pin Cactus for the first time, but Cactus beats the camp pretty quickly after the rest period. Um, But yeah, they end up back on the ramp. Uh, We get the famous Vader falling backwards with Cactus on his back spot. That does look fucking brutal. And this crowd has not been great, but even they reacted big to that one because it looked like Vader just killed Jack uh unfortunately vader then picks up a chair he plasters jack upside the head with it that's good but then he hits a pretty bad looking dt on the chair i mean like jack his head made like no contact with the chair at all and that's like a big spot in the match because to be fair
2: to Big Foley, he didn't need any more (laughs) contact (laughs) to the chair yeah
1: that's true uh but they they tease the stoppage they bring out the trainer and i wish that kind of had been the finish given what they did after that so vader pushes the trainer away Pins him, Jack recovers before the thirty-second rest period is over. DDTs Vader on the chair. They both fall down. The referee starts the ten count anyway. I don't know why he's counting ten when Jack was already back up. It's like, basically, apparently you can recover during the thirty-second rest period, do another move, and then if both of you, both guys are down, they'll just start the ten count anyway it's very stupid i mean like why are we even counting vader down vader's not the one who got pinned because he's counting both of them down and it's like it doesn't make any sense and then uh to add to the nonsense harley race hits jack in the leg with the stun gun jack falls back down and that makes vader the winner because he's up and jack isn't uh so jack immediately recovers anyway and dg's harley race uh okay so a lot of it is fun in a car crash type of way. A lot of it is very slow in plotting. And the ending is horrible. So horrible. They just should have done the fucking stoppage finish they were teasing after the DDT. Because, like, it doesn't make any sense that Jack got back up in 30 seconds after they were just teasing that he was out. It doesn't make any sense that Jack, uh, DDT, Vader, and then the ref started counting both of them out when, you know, Vader wasn't the one who got pinned. And obviously the stun gun shit just fucking sucks uh and then he no sold afterwards anyway he got right back up in dt to harley race uh i went three and a half it, like the finish is so bad to me it takes off half a star uh it's just not at all a satisfying payoff to what was a very physical match before that uh it just doesn't work at all the finish so there you
2: go i just went three stars i mean you know it was there and i liked some of the the brutal hits but that was it, you know? It was like, oh uh. And the finish sucked and everything. <laughs> and, and one part that I, I laughed out loud at this, you know the first time they show Harley Race with the, the taser? Yeah. And and then Tony's like, oh, what's that he's got there? And then he's, like, clicking it on. And then he's like, oh, I see the camera sees me, and he hides it. And I'm like, this is, like, the lamest, like, I'm hiding something from everyone thing. Like, Harley Race is interesting because – they book him doing the stupidest shit as a manager, but yet he still has pretty good, like, heel manager charisma. Yeah. I feel. But they just have him do the stupidest shit, as was we'll a... talk about later as well. <laughs> he was just
1: a fucking terrible manager. I mean, like, not not in the way he... Well, yeah, but he was a terrible, terribly booked manager, I guess is the best way to put Like, he never came across to me as, like, someone who, um, you know, was really, like, helping his client you know win or whatever but like he like you said he had decent charisma and stuff but he just always came off like i don't know he just always came off like a very ineffective manager It was very weird um that brings us now to 1994 which is obviously the following year a lot has changed in that year since now we're in the the start of the hogan era uh, the match we got here was vader versus the guardian angel which only went eight minutes and 17 seconds uh, we'll get into who the guardian angel was. if We don't know. Cause it's pretty funny, <laughs> but we, we really fucking, uh, you know, we dodged a lot of bullets on this show. Looking at the card. Yeah. I mean, we could have gotten Johnny B. Bavers the hockey talk man, a 10 minute draw. Uh, we could have gotten, let's see, Dave, the, the, Epic Sullivan brother battle between, uh, Dave and Kevin. Uh, we could have gotten the Jim, Jim Duggan, Steve Austin, DQ match that ends Austin, w, Austin's WWE career. Um, the only good match I guess we didn't get that apparently was quite good uh, was the WCW title match main event in the cage with Hogan and
2: Flair. Uh, Dave gave that four and a quarter. I don't remember liking it that much, but it was pretty good. Was it better than the like, I haven't seen it in so long, but I remember, like, thinking the Bash at the Beach 94 match was pretty good. And I'm yeah. just wondering if it's better than that, but I can't remember.
1: I think the Bash at the Beach one was better, but who knows. I mean, it was – the Hogan-Flair matches always had a certain baseline to me, so I'm sure that probably was pretty good. But yeah, we, we dodged a bunch of bullets here. We got a pretty pretty fun little match here, I think. I don't know what your overall thoughts were. Yeah, I thought it was a
2: fun little match. I mean, there's like little things you could critique about the finish. Yeah. You know, but it well, was fun while it lasted. As night. we're
1: talking about, all these finishes were fucking terrible. Uh, but yeah, so this is more Vader, obviously. He's our only wrestler who shows up twice here. Um, You know, this is one of his matches in his long feud uh, with Ray Trailer, a.k.a. the big boss man, a.k.a. now the Guardian Angel. Uh, they wrestled each other 27 times in 1994, if you include house shows. Uh, without house shows, it's about six times. So Vader defeated the boss at Spring Stampede in April 94. Uh, very shocking that WWF would have a problem with that name. Just like... <laughs> I always thought that was like
2: so... And then, but the commentary didn't help because it are like, he's the boss. <laughs> oh, man, he's big. You know. Oh, they would say okay. that
1: not... stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's... Yeah, uh...
1: It's really, it really is something, but yeah, they, 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 they basically threatened to sue them, and then uh, you know WWF, so they changed the gimmick to the Guardian Angel, which was okay. So the Guardian Angels are like this group of I don't know, like neighborhood
2: watches, right? I, I, yeah, I've never, they, I've never seen one in real life, so I have no idea. They were a lot bigger in the '80s during like the New York crime wave and stuff like that, and that's where they sort of. Uh, came into like prominence, but they sort of—I I guess they still exist. I'm not sure, but I think the their relevance has faded away now that like crime has dropped and the, everything like that.
1: Yeah, so they're basically just like you know narks, right? They're basically just like yeah, people, they basically are, yeah, yeah, standing around and looking for shit to narc on. Uh, they have these like wacky—I don't know, like maroon jackets, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so he, so he, I mean, it, it it kind of was a clever little rebranding, I guess. I mean, it makes sense. You know, if you're gonna have a baby face cop, and you can't do the cop gimmick, then I guess do a baby face guardian angel gimmick. But uh, I think the guardian angels got mad, right? That's why they had to change it.
2: Yes, I believe so. Yeah.
1: So, because he turns heel basically after the end of this feud in early '95, he turns heel and he goes back to being big, Bub- big Bubba Rogers. And I think that's the gimmick he uses until he
2: leaves. So, which was fine. He had like what he wore the, like the suspenders and the shirt and everything it was it was like a perfectly good gimmick that these like sort of attempting to they had they were obsessed with like keeping it somehow close to boss man which was just so indicative of wcw
1: yeah and then uh you know i think he's what he's in like i think he's in the dungeon doom until he leaves basically but i don't know uh but yeah so he beats so vader beats guardian angel by dq at bash of the beach in july Uh, Guardian Angel beats him by DQ on an episode of Main Event in August. Uh, Vader beats Sting and Guardian Angel in a number one contendership triangle match at Fall Brawl, which he would not get the title shot until, like, fucking February, I think. (laughs) So uh, that was a real number one contender match there. And then Guardian Angel beats him by DQ again on an episode of Saturday Night a Few Nights Later. And now this is their sixth and final meeting on TV here from Halloween Havoc. Um... These matches all kind of blended together for me, so I don't often remember which is which, but I remember they having some pretty good chemistry, so I was excited to watch this. Uh, the recap video showed us how Garden Angel got DQ'd. He got DQ'd for not hitting Vader with a nightstick. Did you see this? Yes. Like, Vader tried to bring it in. Uh, the Angel picked it up, held onto it for like a million years. and like... <laughs> Sir, if you're not going to hit him with this, why don't you just put it down? He just he held on to it for so long uh, before the referee just assumes he must have hit him with it and DQ. him. Yeah, if it. you
2: pick up a weapon, don't you have to drop it in the 5 count anyway though?
1: Yeah, I guess so. The referee didn't, The referee didn't start any count though. He just looked at him with the fucking weapon and was like, "DQ." So, I don't know. Um and then we see the DQ from Saturday night with Vader and Race leave him Leave him leaving him laying and there we go uh a bunch of other guardian angels lead him to the ring here which i thought was uh i'm sure those are probably just indie wrestlers but who knows they claim it's other members of the guardian angels from all throughout the united states so you know i doubt that but who knows uh vader spots muhammad ali at ringside and gives him a you're the man which muhammad ali looks like he could barely remember his name at that point but uh he did uh he, that was pretty cool just for vader to do that you know because obviously Vader always said he was the man. So uh, then we see the guardian angel goes. So basically the, the 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 story of this match, guardian angel goes right after Harley Race when he comes out. Uh, at first it's kind of smart because he seems like he's been getting involved in all of these matches. Uh, the problem is he he just does not let this go, and it will eventually come back to bite him. Um, Vader, which is actually kind of funny, he doesn't seem. To give a fuck about this vicious assault on his beloved manager because he starts off the match by just posing and it's like buddy he just beat the shit out of your manager like you don't care at all but i guess not
2: uh, it's sort of weird to see harley taking those bumps and that because his neck and back were so fucked even at that point like that's like why he had to retire from in-ring competition yeah so i mean it's sort of like uh this is
1: like the end of his managerial career too, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure... Yeah, he's not
2: around much longer after this.
1: Yeah, because I don't remember him being around in... Like, he, he's not out there with Vader in 95 during that uh, the Hogan-Vader feud, I think. So, I don't know. Uh, but he's definitely gone whenever Vader's gone. Uh, Vader, you know, he comes back with... Uh, you know, Angel gives him these slaps to the face. Vader comes back with these palm strikes and his own clubbing blows to the guardian angel. Uh, we get a great call from Tony here. Tony's like Vader's doing what he does best. He's a big grizzly bear. He mauls you. Just you know, he really like puts over the top that Vader is like you know this animal. Uh, Vader just like continues pounding away. He holds on to Angel's wrist. We get some wrist control here in October '94, uh, and then he clotheslines him all the way to the floor. Angel like he took he takes this weird, almost slow motion bump as he heads over, but the landing looks kind of cool like he just snaps his head down there so it works by the end of it i guess
2: yeah he's always a great bumper
1: yeah uh on the floor angel like reverses vader sends him into the railing uh clothes lines him and pounds away he nails harley Rage when harley tries to attack him from behind uh and then he sends harley in the ring and just slams him and keeps pounding on him uh vader comes in after him and ain't the you know garden angel just keeps pounding on him um, and he slams Vader onto Harley pretty hard, which, like you said, for a guy who was, like, retired at this point, that looked like it sucked. Um, the crowd really loved it, though, so. Um, Harley Race rolls to the floor, uh, Angel keeps stopping on, he teases stopping on Vader's balls, but then he settles for a leg drop, uh, just keeps pounding. He hits a sticker splash in the corner, which, another great call from the announcer, the Brain describes it as being, like, two Amtraks colliding, I just thought that was kind of funny. It's like, why was Amtrak in the news in 1994? <laughs> just kind of funny. Um, Angel tries to suplex Vader. Uh, Vader reverses, but Angel eventually does get the big suplex. Um, Vader, though, comes back with these vicious-looking punches and a big clothesline to the face, which is his first bit of offense in forever. Uh, he tries the second rope shoulder block off of there, but Angel like catches him in midair and slams him. That looked awesome. That's probably the best spot of the match right then.
2: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Uh
1: Angel hits a sloppy
2: looking diving headbutt, but Vader Oh, I hated that diving headbutt. I had that in my notes. <laughs> One of the worst diving headbutts I've ever seen, actually. Because it, it really he bad. lands on his knees, basically. <laughs> it and was then really... decides to like drop his head down on Vader.
1: Yeah, it was really bad. Uh Vader kicks out too, thankfully. Um we get like a we but he follows that up with a pretty nicely into Geary which you would not expect a nice-looking enzigiri from a Ray trailer, but it worked here. And he does, like, a cross-chap to the throat and a palm strike. He's, like, trying all sorts of shit here. Um, Angel just, like, there was an ugly spot where, like, okay, so it seems like both guys were on different pages. Um, Invader ends up hitting a clothesline. Angel just kind of awkwardly goes down like he wasn't expecting that, you know? Like, it, it really looks quite bad and, like, hurts the momentum the match had been building up at that point. Um, Vader then slams Angel down set, Goes to the second rope and hits the Vader bomb Covers him Angel kicks out two I was a little surprised that wasn't the finish It would have been a perfectly fine finish uh, Vader goes up again Tries a second Vader bomb This time Angel gets his knees up uh, He hits his own like standing splash and gets a two count He gets a, a quick and like a little bit sloppy looking spine buster Tony inex- inexplicably calls that a sidewalk slam Which I'm like, sir
2: I feel like he called a hundred different... I heard that call, and I was like, what is a sidewalk slam? Because I've heard a lot of things called the sidewalk slam. And I always thought the spine buster was like the way that Arn Anderson does it with the... He twists over, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, I thought the sidewalk slam was like the... That side slam where, where like, you're almost like going to do a backbreaker, but instead you just slam the guy down. But I don't know.
2: Who fucking... Okay, yeah, right. I just thought that was a side slam. Because, like, you know the rocks spine buster i did think that was a sidewalk slam i see so that was my confusion but i could be wrong but that's just what i always yeah assumed this was the difference between the two moves
1: well whatever it doesn't matter but the point is though uh angel then hits the boss man slam which is called the spike slam here uh but instead of just okay and here's where things get very stupid he's on top of vader right he lands on top of vader Instead of trying to stay on top of him to cover him, he inexplicably starts chasing Harley Race after Harley was, like, sort of getting up on the apron. But who cares? I mean, he can't do anything from there. If he tra- jumps in the ring and attacks you, then you win by DQ. He's pinned the guy. He chases Harley Race uh, before Harley's even done anything. He suplexes him back in the ring, but just as he lands, Vader swatches him, and that's the fucking pin like, wow, another, we're over for 2 here on uh, good finishes, um, like, the timing at the end was almost impressive, you know, like, the when Vader's slamming him, the moment he hit the ring from the, from the suplex, but to me, it doesn't make it any less of a stupid finish, just pin the guy, why are you chasing Harley Race, uh, but yeah, I don't know, it was a pretty enjoyable little power battle that I was quite into at times, but, like, I, I can't go higher than like three and a quarter after that fucking finish, so I don't regret watching it, but uh, you know, they book a fucking clean finish, WCW.
2: I also went uh, three and a quarter on this for more or less the exact same reasons and a little bit of sloppiness, but it was really fun. But John, do you know what title, non-WCW title Vader was holding at this time in this match? Was it
1: like UWF or something?
2: Yeah, he was a UWFI champion. <laughs> so it was just sort of funny to sort of like see the contrast there.
1: Yeah, I uh I don't know. Just see so uh, this this match. Like I, I think if, if you're only gonna watch one match where we talk about, you might as well watch this one because it was not that long and you know it was pretty fun. But like, I don't know. Like, just why can't Vader just beat Ray Trailer? Would, would the world end if Vader just hit a
2: Vader bomb on fucking Ray Trailer and pinned him? Well, it goes for this. It goes for the same for the last match. Like <laughs> Cactus Jack wasn't that protected either. Yeah. Right. Just, it just just does. You know
1: i don't know we finished it terrible Uh, moving on to 1995 so we missed a lot of shit here on this show we the match we got was lex Luger versus ming which was pretty bad but uh (laughs) there was also you know like looking at this card there was uh randy savage and zodiac which only went a minute and 30 seconds uh zodiac is Brutus beefcake uh we could have seen kurosawa Do you know who Kurosawa is? I I know you know, but I don't know if the listeners know who that is. That is Manabu Nakanishi. Uh, And he took on Road Warrior Hawk. That only went three minutes. That would have been interesting. Uh, Sabu and Mr. JL, Jerry Lim, which also went three minutes, was on this show. This is stuff I would have liked to see, honestly. So I guess we missed out on some good stuff. Um, We might have seen the worst match on the show looking at this card, actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, We could have gotten Ric Flair and Sting against... Arn and Brian Pillman, the famous uh, flare turn. Uh, we could have gotten Savage and Luger, which is the the match Luger confusingly earned by beating Ming. And but actually, no, the main event was pretty terrible too, if I remember correctly. Uh, the Giant Hulk Hogan.
2: What was which, the monster truck battle in the randomizer?
1: No, nah, I didn't put it in the randomizer. I should I should have. <laughs> but yeah, the the Giant Hogan. Uh, that went oh, 17 minutes it was a lot longer like four minutes four minutes longer than uh the match we had to watch so that was probably worse so that that match was pretty, was pretty terrible but yeah that was the main event uh but yeah this was like a very weird period for WCW like the the storylines were so weird during this period like Hogan was teasing going to the dark side but it was actually a trick and like Luger had come back to the company like okay if he wins this match against Ming who remember is a heel a member of Dungeon of Doom Luger gets to face Randy Savage later why does Luger have to be a member of the Dungeon of Doom to get a match with Randy Savage I I they never explained that
2: I have no idea I was why. gonna say I didn't know and I wasn't gonna bother to try to find out but apparently yeah. there was no reason
1: like they never explained that why Luger has to do that um why did he want to fight savage i have no idea i have no idea what their issue was or anything um like this was a little before my time i didn't really start watching uh wcw as a kid until 1997 i've never gone back and watched like these 95 like early nitros so i can't really
2: tell you what the fuck is going on here exactly but... well yeah we could only been back a month
0: yeah in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, so luga comes back. They're teasing some kind of conspiracy with the Dungeon of Doom. I think that eventually would be the case Because obviously he he's on their team By the time you get to uh, I guess March For that horrendous um, You know uncensored Steel cage match the 10 on 2 I mean he's on their team during that match uh, I don't know how we get there I don't know What happens after that because he's again a babyface Again by the time the NWO invasion Starts so I don't know I have no idea The crowd still reacts to him like he's a face here so i guess he he hadn't quite turned yet but they they definitely did tease uh there's some kind of conspiracy like luger he attacks ming right at the bell uh we hear from the announcers that there's some kind of conspiracy because the dungeon never attacks luger when they run out to attack other people uh this was just like the putty patrol and tommy and the original power rangers you, Were your power, you power remember they would never attack tommy and the other rangers were finally like huh that's weird and it turned out because he was the green ranger but yes um <laughs> I know like like I said like by the time we get to uncensored luger's like fully heal and team with the dungeon but I don't know in the alliance to end hokomania but I don't, I don't know how we get there I really have no idea so it's very it's a very weird thing and this match boys this match suck oh my god uh, I can't believe <laughs> are you even going to try to recap this whole thing uh I'm guessing you do not want me to but uh <laughs> I wrote down some I wrote down some stuff um okay so luger he grabs a side headlock He stomps on Ming, catapults from the turnbuckle. Now, I always thought Ming's thing in WCW was, like, he was this unbeatable monster, right? But he's getting his fucking ass kicked here. Like, Ming doesn't do anything in the early portion of this match, except he eventually rolls Luger up in a small package out of nowhere. A pretty good small
2: package, actually. But, like, wasn't Ming, like, the big monster in WCW? Like, what the hell? I feel like Ming was booked more as a monster in the last couple years of the company than he was i can't when did i can't remember when he comes in
1: well i don't but... know but i remember a match with uh i remember a match with sting from earlier this year at like Batch of the beach where like he he no-sells like everything sting does in that match and like works it as like the total monster so i don't know that's it, it, I, I don't i don't know I, very weird
2: it's just WCW.
1: yeah i guess so because I remember that match pretty clearly. Like, he definitely no-sells, like, all of Sting's offense. So that's what that's what I was expecting him to do here. But here he's, like, he's just fucking getting his ass kicked by Luger. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, like, Braid at one point says, it takes a lot to hurt Ming. But, like, he spent this entire match selling for Lex Luger. Like, Luger, if anything, is treating him like a fucking jobber. So, I don't know. Um, we get, like... Oh, there's a great brain line too. Uh, he, he's like thinking about how he's talking about how the Taskmaster, of course Kevin Sullivan, is always thinking bad thoughts. And he says, "Quote: Every day is Halloween havoc for the Taskmaster." I just I love that line. Um, but yeah, Ming Ming eventually hits some punches that look like they missed by about fifty feet. Uh, hits a kick to the gut and a shoulder block, which is like his first offensive flurry of the entire match. Uh, Luca does sell it pretty well. Luca was like an always underrated. Uh, selling guy for me. Like, he, he was pretty good at selling when he would do it. Um, but then Ming, like, stretches Luger's arm in the ropes. He starts choking him in the corner. Very exciting. He finally hits a pretty nice pile driver that gets a two count. Uh, pile driver did look pretty good. But then he chokes Luger some more and slaps on a chin lock because the pretty cool pile driver was all the excitement we could handle, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Ming, you know, hits a backdrop suplex for a two count. Luger rolls to the floor. We get some super exciting nothing for a while (laughs) before he just rolls back in. Uh, Do they really need to kill time in this show that badly? Like, I don't... Like, they just did nothing. Like, nothing at that point. Uh, Very exciting stopping from Ming as Luger rolls back in. Um, And then Ming misses a dropkick. Lands pretty hard. He charges Luger. Gets back by a drop to the floor. Uh, Ming gets back up on the apron and goes for a superplex, but... Luger reverses and then suplexes... Or not suplexes, just a regular suplex. And Luger reverses and suplexes Ming into the ring instead. And then Ming suddenly starts playing monster again. He, like, no-sells Luger's first two clotheslines. Goes down for the third clothesline. Uh, Luger then Irish whips him, hits a big backbody drop. Two more clotheslines, a running power slam. Uh, But then Ming, while he's down, pulls out the golden spike. I don't even know what that is. Like, some kind of, like, little uh, foreign object. Hits Luger with it. But when Ming covers Luger, Kevin Sullivan comes in and kicks Luger, laying under Ming. So apparently, since he kicked Luger, Luger wins by DQ, even though Sullivan was breaking up a pin that would have had uh, Ming win. (laughs) What the fuck?
2: It's a conspiracy.
1: (laughs) Yes. So we're 0 for 3 in good finishes. Um, Ming gets mad Taskmaster Taskmaster points out Now Luger fight. I can't do a Boston accent He's like now Luger fights Savage Uh okay what, Why Luger had to beat Ming to fight Savage anyway I, I can't tell you And just Very stupid storyline Match sucked uh, There were like a few moments of moves that were decent But like the supposed monster uh, Did not start acting like a monster at all Or no selling anything until the very end of the match Boring as hell out of the way Finish was terrible. Besides, I gave it one star, probably a little generous if anything. But
2: there you go. I went one and a half star. I thought the first minute or two was was actually decent, and I liked like Luger's sort of power up at the end with the power slam. But God, everything in between was just absolutely dreadful. Like, far, like say what you will about modern wrestling, but there's very rarely stuff that's this bad that makes oh, yeah. TV these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like. This, this really, a match as bad has not been on a major pay per view in a long time, I think. So, but I mean, you know. Uh, the next show we got here, we go to 1996. Now we're uh, in the start of the NWO era. Uh, the match we ended up with was uh, the Giant defeating Jeff Jarrett by DQ in 9.55. Um, you know, I, the bullet we dodged here was probably that Hogan Savage main event, which I remember being quite terrible. Um, but the rest of the card there is some pretty good stuff. I mean, I wouldn't have definitely wouldn't mind seeing Malingo and and uh, Rey Mysterio.
2: Oh, I love that match. Yeah, for the
1: Cruiserweight title. Uh, but you know, some some other good stuff here. Um, DTP and DTP and Eddie always have pretty good matches, I think. So, but uh, anyway, so this is during the epic, uh, Ric Flair wants Jarrett and the Four Horsemen, but the other Horsemen don't storyline, uh, and Jarrett is like fresh into WCW. At this point, the start would be a very uneventful run. Um, you know, his first match was a win over Hugh Morris in four minutes on the October 7th, 96 Nitro. So only a few weeks before this. Um, Jarrett, he took until Starcade to be officially made a Horseman member, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Uh, his run in the group does not last very long. He's, he's kicked out, like, I think around May or June by uh, to start the big feud with uh, the infamous Steve Mongo McMichael. And that feud goes pretty much until he leaves the company after just one year. Uh, he when he shows up at WWF, he does like, this big shoot interview on Raw. And pew, he basically pew. Yeah, he basically he buries WCW for putting him in there at Mongo, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Which I'm sure I'm sure that's how he actually felt. I mean
2: He he also like was critical of Vince so he could sort of like get that edgy thing, right? Like are yeah. like, you shooting on both companies type thing. Indeed. I Also wanna preface this by saying Jeff Jarrett is one of my least favorite wrestlers ever. And very few wrestlers have go-away heat. I think really only two. Jeff Jarrett and Randy Orton for me. But I was pleasantly surprised with this. Yeah, this
1: was pretty good. Actually, what did I give it? Let me say Because uh, I don't remember what I rated this. Uh, eh. Actually, I, I think I liked it less than you. But we'll talk talk about it, I guess. Um, I, accidentally, I accidentally wrote this down as Ric Flair versus the Giant on Twitter. When it's actually Jeff Jarrett with Ric Flair. So I apologize if... Uh, You saw the tweets and thought you were getting Flair versus Giant, which probably would have been better. Um, I want to give a shout-out to the pre-match interview because, like, this was such a cool setup and shows, like, the effort they put into this NWO thing early on that they would not put into it at all later on. Like, instead of just having normal interviews with, you know, the normal WWE people, they had Ted DiBiase up in the fucking crowd. Basically, they put a giant NWO banner, um, you know, over one of these entryways from the concourse into the crowd, and, like, they had this NWO corner of the building, basically, and it really did feel like their own separate thing that wanted nothing to do with WCW and vice versa. Like, this was the kind of little touch that made this angle work so well early on that they completely abandoned by the time you get to, like, probably even 97, definitely 98. I mean, look, this this looks so cool, this, like, little NWO set.
2: I didn't watch the pre-match, but they... In the po- I watched, like, the post-match because the next match was Six versus Jericho, and I was like, I'm going to watch that. Um, but, yeah, Dibiase comes out again with Vincent in Six, and then Six enters through the crowd.
1: Yeah, that's how Giant enters during this match, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it really it looks awesome. I mean, yeah. You know, like the, and Tony also lets me know as Giant comes down that he's not actually the U.S. champion, even though he has the belt. Uh, and now I want to look up what the fuck happened with the U.S. title because I know that... that uh what's his name had to vacate it uh rick flair so that's why the that's why Gi- giant basically injured rick flair i guess in storyline and that's why they had to vacate the title but i don't know it's uh i don't know exactly what happened to it exactly let's see oh, okay i don't know how they end up with a new champion or anything but uh and Wikipedia doesn't want to load for me, but <laughs> um, yeah, so they they basically had a um, you know a storyline where the NWO kept stealing belts at this point because remember Six stole the um, the cruiserweight title too. So uh, let's see the U.S. title. Yeah, I was confused because I forgot that the
2: Giant was already in the NWO at this point.
1: Yeah. Okay, so they so they didn't officially vacate the title until November. That's weird uh november 25th and then eddie guerrero is the next champion he beats ddp in a tournament final for the vacant title uh in december 96 so yeah that that's that weird period where like eddie and d malenko trade the belt and like they let the they let the cruiser raids have it for a little while and then Jarrett wins it from dean and then it goes to mongo and uh kurt henning and then back to ddp and then they do the raven stuff and all that but that's a interesting little period for the title i guess but yeah, so Giant has the belt here. He's not the champion. Uh, Giant hands the belt to Nick Patrick, and Tony is outraged that Nick Patrick holds the belt up since this is not a title match, and Giant is not the champion. The camera completely misses this at first, by the way. <laughs> like, it completely misses it. We do finally see it as Jarrett comes out. Um, the camera goes back to the ring and shows, uh, shows, shows the Nick Patrick holding up the title. But there you go. Uh, Flair gets his own entrance for some reason. I don't know why. I guess just to give the crowd the, the Flair entrance, but because he has Jarrett's
2: major... not over and they need to, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, Jarrett, the crowd does not give a shit about Jarrett. Apparently, I, which I totally forgot about, the NWO actually invited Jarrett and he turned them down. So he was the first guy to turn down the NWO, not DDP. Which, yeah, I totally... Because the DDP one I think is far more famous when he, like, they keep offering him this shirt and he keeps like t- tearing it off and diamond cutting people and stuff but yeah apparently they offered Jared the NWO shirt and he kept turning them down
2: it's funny because it's probably uh, has to do with some backstage politics because Jared's like a recently arrived WWF guy but there's no way in hell Holland Nash would want him in the NWO like as a shoot type thing
1: yeah Uh, so Jared hits this like one jumping punch to giant and immediately struts which is actually pretty funny Uh, he ducks a pair of clotheslines and Start strutting again, but then as giant goes to grab him uh, from another punch, you know, goes to grab him, he hits another punch and gets out of his way again. Uh, it's kind of clever, that, I guess, that his idea is to stick and move, uh, but how he's going to, like, strut him to death, I'm not really sure. Uh, Flair on the outside loves it, though, so. I guess, why don't you talk about what you liked about this match, because I didn't like it nearly as much as you seem to have.
2: Well, I basically, I liked the whole, like, the way that they wrestled. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to see the giant in 1995. He was awesome, I thought. I mean, limited, but he, in some ways, he played the character much better than he ever played the big show. Yeah. Who, like, I mean, like the big show would take a lot of offense, big show would sell a lot. Here, he, you know, I mean, he sold, but it was a lot more credible. And he was, you know, selling from sort of the Jarrett's hit and run offense, you know, and then, I mean, I, if this had just had normal finish, I thought this would have been really great because this is going through the um, giant grabs him in the figure four with the choke, which I think he did. He not do that same spot to Ric Flair when he yeah. beat Ric Flair to win the WCW title. I think. Yeah, I think so. And which was a nice little callback. Um, and it was just basically the whole way the stout was it was wrestled. I thought it was like a very credible, you know. Well, Jarrett's not small, but, like, versus an absolutely humongous man. a Giant played his role very well. I mean, obviously, the finish sucked, so I had to deduct marks from that. But, I mean, it just I just thought it was a really good way of how someone that is seven feet tall should be wrestling a match.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like it up to a certain point, but then it gets so ungodly boring to me that I, I took it down a lot. Because, like, okay, so they do the stick-and-move stuff. That stuff is good. Um, but then, like... You know, Giant hits like this elbow drop and like you know does this long backbreaker rest hold over the knee, and then Flair grabs a mic, uh, starts trying to cheer Jarrett on to get up and kick his NWO ass, uh, and then Giant you know keeps clubbing Jarrett's back, uh, you know just keep Jared keeps trying to fight back, Giant keeps clubbing him, um, you know he Jarrett goes for his cross body off the corner turnbuckle, Giant easily catches him and then hits possibly the worst backbreaker I've ever seen. Like, he drops him, sl- like, so lightly down under his knee that even Tony has to go backbreaker. He didn't hit him that hard with it, though. <laughs> like, even Tony Schiavone can't cover for that. Um, he does hold on. and hits a like slightly better one. But it's only, like, you know, moderately better. And then Giant just, like, continues sl- walking, slowly walking around, clubbing Jarrett. It was really dragging for me at this point. He, like, whips Jarrett into the corner. Jarrett goes down. We get a very exciting bear hug. Uh Jarrett gets out of it, you know, goes through Giant's legs very slowly after an Irish whip. Uh, hits a pair of high drop kicks that stagger Giant, and then tries to slam like an idiot, and Giant falls on top of him for two count. Uh, and then we get the incredibly terrible finish, like you said. So Giant, you know, tries a well, well not I maybe incredibly terrible, it's too strong, but just a, another shitty finish. Giant tries a singer's flash with Jarrett up against the post on the floor. Jarrett moves. Giant collides with the post. Jarrett gets the figure four on the outside, apparently trying to win by count out. But Giant just sits up and easily grabs Jarrett by the throat to block it. Um, he looks like he's going to go for the choke slam. Flairlow blows him from behind, right in front of Nick Patrick. That's a DQ. Sometimes I feel like stuff on the outside is never a DQ, so that is also very inconsistent, right? Like I feel like I've seen wrestlers interfere in matches a million times on the floor and not be a DQ. But it was a DQ here, apparently. So we're now 0 for 4 for clean finishes. It's um, not New Japan in the outside. <laughs> and this this is where, like, I was starting to wonder, like, is do, did any you match ever have a clean finish? <laughs> because, like, we're on four different shows, four different matches, and they all have fuck finishes. It's like, okay. Um... Then the other horsemen come out, and Tony and Dusty act like the giant is a huge coward for not wanting to go one on five. <laughs> I'm just like, these fucking biased. I remember as a kid being like, wow, these WWE announcers are very biased. Because, <laughs> like, they would be really unfair to the NW. Like, the NWO were heels. But, like, in situations like this, like, the, Tony and Bobby are like, oh, get in there, giant. What are you doing, giant? And it's like, there's five of them.
2: Why are yeah, the he a huge coward for not wanting to go one on five? on five. Giants probably taken on five guys in WCW up before this point. They were maybe jobbers, but he's done it probably.
1: It's true. But like, uh, didn't it come off to you as weird? Yeah. <laughs> it was very right. weird.
2: Um, but
1: yeah, I don't know. This, the best thing I can say about this, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I was kind of enjoying it early on when Jarrett was trying to stick and move. Um, but it got so boring by the end and the finish was again so bad. I only went two stars, so.
2: I went three and a half.
1: Okay, well, you really liked it then. Yeah.
2: So From um, my, one of my most hated wrestlers, too. Like, yeah. You know.
1: I mean, I just... I, I can see it, but, like, it just... And I was enjoying it, but it got so fucking boring to me, so... Uh, the second-to-last match we're going to talk about here... Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 From 1998, a oh show... Oh, God. Now, look, we could have gotten a much worse
2: match, I have to say. Oh, yeah, but this is just... But watching these two do this... Is what just makes it so infuriating and yeah. makes me angry. So some of the it's other matches involved.
1: Some of the other matches we could have gotten. Uh we could have gotten Hogan and the Warrior, which is one of the worst matches of all time. Uh we could have gotten the Steiner battle that went under five minutes. Um we could have gotten the Hall and Nash match, remember that sucking. Uh we could have gotten the I don't even know. The Scott's the Bagwell and Steiner against Steiner and Giant match. Okay. Uh we could have gotten Kim and Disco Inferno disco inferno that was pretty good if i remember correctly uh we could have gotten uh the main event which i remember being awesome it's Goldberg goldberg's DDP. best
2: match in my opinion yeah
1: so like dave really underrated that three and a quarter i have to say uh but yeah the match we got was bret hart defeating sting in nineteen eighty eight. bret hart <laughs> yes in 1504 to retain the united states title Oh boy, (laughs) this match, I remember, like, I don't remember hating this match as much as it was, as much as I hated here, like, this match fucking sucked, like, was fucking terrible, um, but before we talk about the things that sucked, let's talk about the positives, Bret Hart's WWE theme song was great, like, when he, when that theme song played and he came out, uh, I, I, that theme song was, like, it always worked really well for him as a heel, especially, um, so I wanted to point that out, it was a great theme song, um as a kid i remember really finding brett during this period like strangely intriguing because it's like he was clearly aligned with nwo hollywood but he would never wear the shirt for some reason and this was like i guess very fascinating to me when i was 12 years old it's like why would he put the shirt on because it it was most absurd when like remember during the 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 period when he was uh which started this feud which went on forever he was trying to recruit sting to nwo hollywood right And he's like, is holding up the shirt. He's like, come to NW Hollywood. I'm like, but
2: you never put the shirt on, buddy. So why are you trying to get... I feel like that's like Brett being like legit pissed off that he's in the position and being booked the way he is. And he's like, I'm not putting the fucking shirt on.
1: (laughs) So you think it was a shoot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's just angry. I mean, look at him. He comes out. He doesn't have any... You know, he just seems so devoid of any charisma at this point. And he, when he just walk, like to me, when he walks out, he's got the just a guy feels like, man, you're not like the one of the best wrestlers. You know, yeah, uh, just, just I don't know, just like I can't handle night- watching 1998 Bret Hart. It's infuriating. Um,
1: now, of course, then when he was involved in the NWO 2000 reunion at the end of '99, he immediately puts his shirt on because remember- he was being pushed. And he was the champion. <laughs> I remember right? being outraged about that. But you're right. It probably That probably was it. That probably was it. Um, but yeah, he takes forever to come out here, too, for some reason. Like, his music is just playing for a long time before he even starts, like, walking out. Um, Singh, of course, is in the red and black of the Wolf Pack here. And this he's is, got a
2: goatee. Like he's the got the... Goatee. Which
1: looks weird as hell. Yeah. Um, this is the last appearance of the red and black, though, because he does an injury angle at the end of this match. He doesn't return to TV until... Uh, shortly before Spring Stampede in April, and that's well after the rest of the Wolfpack had turned heel and you know remerged with Hollywood to form the last version of the original group, and they were like on pretty much petering out the point when Sting even returned. I mean, they yeah. weren't. I don't think they were. I remember
2: quite... that Sting returned very well. Yeah. Yeah. What was and, it like? Yeah. It was hilarious because he he returns and like like a couple weeks later he wins the title on Nitro from ddp and then drops it back on the final hour of nitro on the same episode back to ddp
1: yeah i remember that yeah but but do you remember what he said i don't remember what he said about the interview or anything
2: i don't think he said no, i way. don't remember any of that yeah. and he wasn't even really feuding with them
0: was he
1: no no, I don't think he was because the end was pretty much done by that point so it wasn't quite like like there were still guys but like yeah you could tell it was like petering out um but yeah, like the you know, so when he comes back, he has his normal black and white va- face paint. It's the point. Uh, so Brett takes forever to get in the ring. Uh, Sting, is- I have in my notes Brett pulling a Jay White. <laughs> he takes a long time. Sting is brandishing a baseball bat, so that makes sense. Uh, Brett does finally get in when Sting gets in, but he immediately bails again when Sting gets into the ring. Uh, he keeps, like, begging off and staying behind the ref. as Sting comes after him. It feels so fucking fake. Because, like, even when Brett was a heel in WWF, he was never doing this begging off shit. Oh, he was the
2: best heel in the world at the time, I yeah.
1: think. And I don't remember him doing this fucking Ric Flair shit. But, I don't know. Um, finally, Brett gets in the ring as the bell rings. And then Brett bails immediately again. Uh, he threatens to punch a middle-aged woman in a Goldberg shirt in the front row. So oh, that yeah, was, God. That yes. was funny. Uh, he had a big smile on his face. Not like he was really threatening to do it.
2: Uh, Brett turns his back on Sting completely. That was probably the most fun he had had in the company in like <laughs> all year. <laughs> Arguing with this middle aged woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: inexplicably, he turns his back on Sting. Why? I have no idea. He just turns around suddenly and is like, eh, I don't need to worry about Sting. Uh, and Sting comes after him and like grabs him and tosses him back in the ring at that point. Uh, he pounds away in the corner, gives him a weak clothesline. Brett is really like begging off like he's Ric Flair. Which is, you know, not an odd look for him, even as, even as a heel. Uh, you know, Sting punches him and sends him in the turnbuckle. Um, you know, Sting whips Brett in the corner, stomps on him, keeps punching away with not much happening. Uh, Brett like fires back with much better punches. I have to say, Brett, Brett's punches were always awesome, uh, even during this period. Apparently, <laughs> headbutts him and gives him the big face scrape over the top rope and a det. Gets a two count. Uh, Brett controls a lot of his usual offense. Um, we got a Bret Hart sucks chant. He hits a leg drop for a two count. That's, that Brett, that one Bret Hart sucks chant is probably the most heat the match has the entire time. Because the crowd goes right back to being 100% dead right after. Uh, not, not that I can blame them. But yeah, Bret, like, hits some uninteresting offense and then slaps out a chin lock to really bring up the excitement level here. Uh, the crowd does finally start chanting for Sing to fight back a bit as he gets out of it. Um, but then Bret hits him with a knee to the chest to stop that comeback right away chokes him up against the ropes uh Sting finally comes back and gets the scorpion Deathlock, which does wake up the crowd a lot but Brett makes the ropes pretty much immediately to put a stop to that and then we get a fake knee injury spot because why not let's let's just do every fucking cheap Memphis heel bullshit here uh now to Sting's credit he does not fall for at all he uh, he's gets a lot of shit for being a famously stupid baby face. <laughs> most of what he deserves, but he is not like he's like that man's not hurt. The referee that falls short though and like keeps backing Sting up long enough for Brett to put on some brass knuckles or something, because again, we're doing every cheap hate bullshit here. Uh Sting though knocks Brett down, takes the takes the brass knucks from Brett, goes to punch Brett with it. The ref grabs his arm to stop it, which I just found kind of funny. Like, this referee grabbing his arm. Like, no, Sting. Uh, it's like, why don't you just let him do it and then DQ him? Okay. Uh, Brett Lowe blows him from behind with the ref out of position. Um, I, I don't know. Does that spot count as clever? I don't, the live crowd doesn't no. seem to care. Okay.
2: <laughs> Nothing in this match is clever.
1: <laughs> we then get a much dumber spot. Okay. These next two spots are two of the dumbest spots maybe in wrestling history. Sting accidentally back-elbows the referee, thinking it's Brett. He throws his elbow that's about 50 feet from the ref, uh, Billy Silverman, I think, from his head. And Billy Silverman takes a bump. Now, how the fuck did you think, even feeling him, you know, like the air from his body, or him, like, putting his hands on you from behind, did you think Bret Hart shrunk half a foot? (laughs) Like, Billy Silverman's a pretty tiny man. Like, what the fuck are you, like, why did you, like, elbow this man? Um, yeah, Brett. Brett immediately dropping a leg on him when he's down for good measure. That was pretty hilarious, I have to say. Like he just doesn't even pause. He's just like, "Boom!" Leg drop. That Things just
2: really fell apart at this point, though. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh my god.
1: Um, you know, so Sting keeps spreading up, beating up Brett. Um, I don't, I don't know what happens to the Sting. Like, it looks to me like Sting drops down to check on the ref in the middle of fighting Brett, but really the announcers say Brett gave him a boot to the face. Like, so devastating he had to lean over forever. It was very stupid. Uh, it goes nowhere anyway because Sting immediately, like, comes back and superplexes Brett off the top onto the dead ref's legs, which was, like, kind of funny. And then all three men just lay there for some real thrilling uh, thrilling action. Sting goes for a stinger... Okay, here's the next dumbest spot of all time. So, Bret Hart is in the corner. His back is facing Sting. His, you know, face facing the turnbuckle. Sting goes for a stinger splash... But he just slides over Brett and collides with the ring post, knocking himself out. So the big spot in the match that ends up being the Doom of Sting is him going for his move and being a klutzy moron and hitting the post and knocking himself unconscious. What? What the fuck? I I totally forgot about this. What the fuck was this? Why did they do that? Give me some answers, Gerard. Why did they do this?
2: I don't know, because I stopped trying to <laughs> even think about this match at this point and try to even, like, rationalize any of it. I mean, just one of the dumbest spots we've ever seen. Like, why would you book a babyface to knock himself unconscious by by his own fucking fall? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh... This is what they thought was protecting Sting. <laughs> like, that's the only possible... Um, yeah, I really... have in my notes, the finish... Literally, if they had just ripped off the finish to Austin versus Hart from WrestleMania 13... This match would have been a lot better. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just talking about, like, yeah, it, it still would have sucked, but it just wouldn't have been offensively bad.
1: So Brett then heads to the outside, grabs his baseball bat, beats him senseless with it, but he's very, he's very already unconscious, so who cares? Uh, Brett then hits him with the bat off the top to the throat, rolls the bat to the floor, revives the ref, drags him to his feet, locks Sting in the sharpshooter just to be a dick, which is actually a good heel move. Uh, and the ref checks his arm three times, calls a win for Brett. Uh, Brett grabs you his title. Do you notice a different theme song play when he won? Like no, a much, I it was like that. a much worse one too. It was very weird. Uh, Brett poses with the belt as Sting just lays there dead. And finally, Brett leaves, When the EMTs come out for Sting. So again, to get to make this clear, Sting elbows the referee like an idiot, apparently thinking Brett shrunk six, shrunk six inches. Sting then hits his own head in the ring post like an idiot, knocking himself unconscious and taking himself out of the match. And then Sting loses. So Sting, entirely his fault here to lose this match. Nobody books a babyface like WCW. Uh, yeah, this match was way, 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 way worse than I remembered it being. This is the worst match we watched. It was Bret Hart and Sting was significantly worse than, like, Lex Luger and Ming. Like, I, I I don't even know how that's possible. But, like, there's no, almost no redeeming qualities about this at all. Like, stalling from Bret, lifeless offense... Dead crowd. Our fifth straight terrible finish and probably the worst one of them all, honestly. Uh, I gave it half a star. And that might be generous. It might be generous, I should say. Terrible. Terrible, terrible match. Uh,
2: I still think Luger versus Ming was more boring uh, this match to me was boring for most of it and then didn't really get offensive until the ending so I went one and three quarter star but it's funny because the first time I ever had heard about this match I didn't, I didn't see the pay-per-view but I had this WCW magazine that was like 1998 in review so there was like two, pre- two page spreads of each pay-per-view with like pictures of all the matches and like comments about the match and then the Brett like I remember this vividly because I was like oh I want to see Brett versus Sting so bad and so for the Brett versus Sting match. They made it sound like this was like the most brutal, violent match like that had ever taken place. And like Sting had to be stretched out and everything like that. And of course, when I finally saw it, I was greatly disappointed.
1: Yeah, it was really, really terrible. I mean, really terrible. So I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you want to see like. It does encapsulate Brett in 98 because like he doesn't. He clearly doesn't give a shit. Uh, he clearly does not want to be booked this way and clearly is like basically going out there almost under protest. And, you know, it's just, I mean, like, this is a guy who a year ago was a super hot heel who had one of the most famous moments in wrestling history happen to him, and this is what they're doing with him 11 months later, having him wrestle a terrible match against Sting where he could be any other generic heel uh, for a secondary title.
2: Do you think this match is even any better if Sting is fully healthy, or Brett would have just been a... What, anyway.
1: what's, wait was sting hurt i thought sting just took a I vacation
2: thought was, i thought he was injured and that's why he left oh One I, off time. I always i thought was i it even, i thought it was a knee thing but i could be totally wrong but that's... maybe maybe you're right i don't know i thought i thought it was
1: just sting taking a vacation but anyway does either way who knows who cares i, I don't think it would have been any better because Brett just didn't give a shit so yeah. yeah i don't know uh the last match we're gonna talk about was from halloween Havoc 99 which uh, do you know why this show is famous, Gerard? I'm sure you. It's the first do. Russo and pay per view. Well, the first show period, I think. No, I think the, that, they oh, did.
2: A, they were on a Nitro before, or no? Was it Talon Havoc then the Nitro? I I don't remember.
1: I think it was Halling and Havoc than the Nitro. Yeah. Okay, but I could be wrong. But it's, um, they're
2: definitely the first pay per view.
1: Definitely the first pay per view. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like, if you look at this card, I mean, everything goes like five minutes practically. Uh, I think the longest match in the entire show is Rick Steiner and Chris Benoit, twelve minutes and fifty seconds.
2: The card does not look bad on paper. The execution is another, yeah. Like, I, I like you know, I mean, go like no matter who's booking Goldberg versus Sid is going to be a train wreck, yeah. but it's the kind of train wreck I would like to see. You know, yeah.
1: I mean, I I really don't remember the show well at all. Honestly, the only thing I remember from it is the the famous like, uh, Ho- sting Hogan lays down for sting angle, uh, which of course they, they totally ripped off of them. They ripped themselves off for Bash of the beach, which was bizarre. And then the Goldberg beating sting thing at the end with the open challenge. And then, uh, you know, which ended up being, what's the word? Like, uh, it ended up being like completely, you know, rendered moot the next night. Because yeah. They Cause just, they do the tournament. Yeah, yeah, They just strip, they strip sting of the, or they strip Goldberg of the title. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was a, it was a. I'm sure it was a weird, not that great show. And
2: yeah, and they're it, well. I I didn't. I only watched a, a few minutes after the match, but they were, of course, in Russo style, like doing like backstage angles, like like a Monday Night Show style yeah. in between the matches on a pay per view and everything. And it's yeah. just like, oh my god. Um, the pre match promo here is Eddie Guerrero, Billy Kibben,
1: and Tori Wilson. Uh, Mike Tanay informs Eddie that the Filthy Animals. And the Revolution have both been borrowed from Ringside. Uh, he asks him for an update on Conan, so I guess he's been hurt or something. And we see that Eddie has Ric Flair's gold watch he stole from him earlier. And then he's gas, that today would imply he's a thief. So, uh, according to Tony, Saturn is one of the two remaining members of the Revolution. Now, I do remember this. Malingo and Benoit left the group, leaving it just as Saturn and Douglas, or Saturn Douglas. But Malenko immediately turns on Benoit. I don't know if it's on this show or if it's on Nitro the next night, but he immediately turns on Benoit and goes right back to the Revolution. So it ends up being like a three-man. I nitro. like the
2: Revolution because it was a, It's like going through the slog of '99 WCW when they formed. It. I was like, yeah, finally. Like because you know those were the guys that I wanted to see pushed.
1: Yeah, but then I, I think they get like destroyed after that though. So. Do you remember the, the weird period where like when after Russo books them, he starts booking them as more of like a literal revolution where like they're they, they declare their own country?
2: Such a oh, weird... Oh, I vaguely remember this. I feel like Saturn was like a, had a lot to do with that part, right?
1: Yeah. I mean it's a really really weird period. It's like that that's such a weird period. Uh, Saturn's overdub music, by the way, truly horrible. His network overdub music. It's like really bad. Um... The animals, thankfully, still have their theme song in all its uh homemade or amateur rap glory, which you know, I always like that song for some reason. and then Eddie gives the gold watch the brain because he doesn't trust that thief to Tony. Uh, Tony's reaction to that is actually pretty funny. but yeah, this match, I don't know how you felt about it. I enjoyed this a lot. Oh, uh, I loved it yeah this match. <laughs> yeah this is this was I think the best match you talked about, yeah, yeah um, you know the, the big problem was the crowd did not give a fuck. Like a single fuck about this match, other than a few spots here and there. Like there were points where, like, they were doing some pretty fun mat wrestling and like some stuff that was, you know, ahead of its time, if anything. And the crowd was like actively getting hostile, and you could hear some people chanting, like, starting, starting, starting like. And that's not even
2: Russo's fault. That's like how WCW had trained their crowds, basically. Yeah.
1: So you know, it starts out with some nice little fast-paced action. Um, Eddie uses the steps on the outside, but then Saturn. Comes back and press slams him on the side of them, which looks nasty. Uh, Saturn hits a nice little pop-up powerbomb. He, like, tosses A in the ropes and then, like, tosses him up and power bombs him. And then floats over for a two-count. That looked really cool. Uh, Hits, like, a twisting springboard crossbody. Just getting a shit in here, I guess. Uh, And then gives him, like, a weird like arm drag into some kind of knuckle lock and then like transitions it into an arm bar. And again, this is not a crowd that's going to appreciate the fighter points of Matt wrestling. They're totally dead here. And like a few people start the boring calls. Uh, Saturn goes for a cross arm breaker, but that's not over at all here. And Eddie, in fact, you know, nearly gets pinned while he's in it to no reaction. Uh, he does hook his hands to block it and eventually gets out of it. And you could tell a lot of those, a lot of this was just the two of them doing stuff they thought was cool. Uh, and not really caring about the crowd, I don't think. But, uh, you know, Saturn takes Eddie straight down to some kind of other wacky arm lock. Also gets no reaction. Uh, he lets Eddie out and, like, starts punching him. But Eddie gets out of it with a kick to the gut and, like, snap mirrors him and steps right on his face. Hits a nice basement dropkick. But Saturn comes back with an exploder. Like, a huge exploder suplex. Like, he really oh, yeah. tosses Eddie across the ring. Uh, Eddie gets his foot on the ropes to, f- to break it for the when Saturn covers. Uh, Saturn, like, you know, starts going after the leg and like gets some kind of wacky leg lock. Um, Eddie, like, pokes him in the eyes to break it, which is a great little way to break it, and then hits a backdrop suplex for a two-count. And then when Saturn kicks out, Eddie goes straight into what, look, what looks like an attempt at, like, a key lock or something, which, well-applied key lock, but the crowd does not want to see Eddie holds at all, so they're not, not into that at all. Uh, Saturn does this awesome, like, flip backwards just into Eddie, like, lifting Eddie straight up and, like, slamming him down on the hold, which that looks so cool that it did get a reaction, and he hits a second rope Lion Salt for two count. He goes for another one. Eddie gets his knees up this time. Uh, Eddie then follows up with a really nice front suplex with a little delay in the middle, like, not quite a, I wouldn't call it a delayed suplex, because the delay wasn't that long, but, uh, it did look pretty cool. And goes up top and goes for a fog, frog splash, but uh, Saturn rolls out of the way. And then Saturn tries to springboard off the middle rope. Eddie hits him with a counter drop kick in midair. Really cool little spot. Um, he goes to charge Saturn in the corner. He misses and collides the turnbuckle. Um, Saturn tries to set Eddie up on the top. Eddie pushes him away. Uh, Saturn comes right back with an interesting super kick to the legs that takes his legs out from under him. And then he hits a big superplex off the top. Leaves both guys down. He crawls over and covers. Eddie kicks out. Um, you know, then we get, like, a little, like, another superplex. But then, God forbid, we get anything resembling a finish on WW show. Because Ric Flair comes charging out with a crowbar and assaults Eddie for the DQ. Uh, Kidman runs out. He gets beaten up, too. And then, unfortunately, Tori runs out. Flair dances around her. Forces himself on her for a kiss and since, since this is October 1999 she loves being kissed against her will apparently and has a big smile not very cool uh, but there you go and then Flair, Flair runs back out and remembers to get his watch which I thought was I bet that was a shooter but he actually forgot to get the watch but that was funny no
2: I thought that was just like a little like oh. joke like clo- I was like to me I was like wow Russo actually booked a successful story art closure Yeah, but uh, no I, I thought it was just like a funny little touch it worked better that way to me with Flair coming, having to come back out to because rem- he forgot his watch
1: Yeah, uh, I thought this was a ton of fun before he went 6 for 6 and terrible finishes uh, the live crowd hated it but who gives a shit what these drunk Vegasites were probably all comped <laughs> think about this fucking match uh, they did some really nice mat wrestling probably ahead of its time for 99 in the US and a bunch of cool spots uh, I went 3.5 because it was 11 minutes and I had a terrible finish but I had a good time
2: well, my notes say, uh, fuck it, four stars, actually. Wow. Because I just really love this match. Um, I have always maintained that Saturn was an incredibly underrated talent.
1: Yeah, he was really good.
2: And I had forgotten. And I hadn't watched I hadn't watched the Saturn match in so long. And I was just like, oh, goddamn, this is why I loved him so much, right? He was awesome. Yeah, awesome, I mean, awesome, it, awesome. like a
1: few more minutes and a real finish, and this would have been four stars for me, easy, too. but um the, the only thing, like, this match has, like, a, you know, really low average on Grapple. Only, like, six people. But, like, it has, like, t- a two and a half. I'm just, like, this is, like, t- one of those matches where people are rating it based on the crowd reaction, I guess. Because, like...
2: Or just having to sit through a WCW show.
1: I guess so. But, yeah, Because is... if you're
2: sitting through a show, the match is, like, you know, a decent, like, three and a half, even maybe almost four level, but has a shitty ending. You're just gonna, like, bury the whole thing, even if it was <laughs> decent...
1: That's a good point. That is a good point. So, overall, I would say the results of this experiment uh, mixed at best.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, think about this. I don't know. Uh, I think there was, there's was. there been... I was listening to the five-star match game, and the bonus question was how many um, matches had there been in Halloween Havoc history. It's I think, 111 or something like that. It was like 110, between 110 and 120. But think about this. We do the random six, and in out of four... Out of four of the six matches, basically involve the same two people interfering, Ric Flair and Harley Race, <laughs> in the finishes. And this is totally random.
1: Yeah. And every single one has some kind of terrible finish. Um, I, I don't know. It was like... This This definitely scratched my itch for every type of nostalgia. I don't know if I'm going to... It did not make me want to go... Uh, leap through the
2: archives and watch
1: more, let's just say. Well, I mean, if you were
2: like, I'm just going to put a bunch of cruiserweight matches from whether they be on Nitro or a pay-per-view in a randomizer, I think it'd be a different story. Yeah. But you'd have to, like, if you wanted to do good WCW random matches, you'd have to, like, curate the list that you put in the randomizer.
1: Exactly. But uh, I hope you had fun with it anyway, Gerard.
2: It was, it was an interesting look back. <laughs> uh, my biggest takeaway, though, out of all of this was, like, Bret Hart was a miserable bastard Yeah. and Saturn was fucking awesome and should get more love.
1: Yeah. Those are, those are two good takeaways. Um, my other takeaway again is even this This still felt way more like, even with all the terrible finishes and stuff, at least it felt like wrestling, which watching WWE nowadays and even AEW uh, kind of, it doesn't often feel like wrestling. That's so. true. I do
2: agree. I, I do agree with that. Also, it's funny because we were talking about the finishes. They hired Johnny Ace to do the finishes in, uh, yeah, in, in the summer of 2000 and uh, didn't do anything.
1: I guess he just uh, can't can't get past that Russo suck, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, probably. So that's what, you, what it was. But they do?
2: like specifically hired him to do the finishes.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. Gerard, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh,
2: yeah. Well, uh, as we're heading into November, I will have a big preview of the Real World Tag League and coverage of all the shows. So watch for that on VoicesOfWrestling.com.
1: All righty. And of course, folks, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, Wrestling when and Fit. Uh, next week, we'll be going back to covering current wrestling here. Um, I'm very very pleased to be joined by returning guest Haley will be joining me. And she and I will be talking about three big shows uh, from New Japan, the um, oh God, Power Struggle. I don't know why my, my brain went to Dominion for a second. I'm like, it's definitely not Dominion. Yeah, so New Japan, although both Osaka, maybe that's why. But yeah, New same Japan, main event. <laughs> same main event, too. That's true. Uh, New Japan Power Struggle, DDT Ultimate Party, and Tokyo Joshi Wrestle Princess. So we'll be talking all three of those shows. be fun to do some DDT and Tokyo Joshi. We haven't done it in a while here with all the uh, tournaments that we've been covering and stuff. But, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, of course, patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Um, if you like this retro roulette format, I think we'll do another one maybe for starcade maybe for something else i don't know so that'll be like a different thing to do with the five matches you know different way of uh you know covering old stuff i think we will probably do that on the patreon going forward but yeah i mean we'll, this is a, a fun little thing to do here for halloween but we'll definitely be definitely back to covering current wrestling and current japanese wrestling starting next week which you know kicks off a run of covering you know the do and the two new japan tournaments so that'll be taking us taking up our time here for the next month or so and again It'll be all over on the Patreon, too. So patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. In the meantime, folks, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.